Hey, Brett, how's it going today? Good, Ange. How are you? Good. Well, that means it's another episode of Money in the Bank, the financial podcast where we cover a whole range of personal finance and small business topics. So, yeah, this is episode 49. 49. All right. We're almost at our big milestone, right? Yeah. So in case you're just tuning in, um, we are giving away $50 for our 50th episode. All you have to do is leave a review or share our podcast with your friends and let us know and you're entered to win. Yeah. And they can do that by sending a screenshot to Angie at moneyinthebank.com. Money in the Bank podcast. Podcast. Oh, yeah, that's right. Angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. So there we go. All right. Well, that covers that. So, do you know what we're talking about today? Uh, usually, no. You do. You do, because this is more your realm. Okay. Um, what, what in my realm are we talking about? Small I only businesses. have, like, one realm. Okay, good. All right. That makes sense. So, a little-known fact about you is you actually went to school and majored in entrepreneurship. Yep. And we've talked about it on the podcast before, but you successfully ran your own business while going to college to pay for college basically um and you ran it with you know several other friends and then you you know proceeded to sell it and go into the world of it where you've lived pretty happily for the past eight years or so right worked uh yeah worked on our our own business you know working hard and paying ourselves for it was about six years and then sold that, and I was like, well, I'm going to give the other side of the coin to try and let somebody else pay me to travel around the country and do all kinds of fun things. Yeah, so. well, and so then the great thing was, you know, a few years back when I was like, oh, I want to get into property management. I have no idea how to do this. You know, you have a lot of knowledge about, like, creating an LLC, and that's, like, very much your wheelhouse. So when I come to you and I'm like, let's do this, you kind of know how to structure it on the back end. You also do a really good job, I think, with the property management stuff, with communicating with our tenants or future tenants, prospective people who want to look at the place, and scheduling and arranging stuff. I think that's, like, really your wheelhouse. And also putting together, like, business plans or project plans. Like, you're really good at all that sort of things. So that's why I think this is a great episode to have you on. Obviously, I have you on all of them. But... Specifically, like small business, because I wanted to talk today about the common pitfalls that might happen in the first year of owning your own business. So um, if you actually go back to episode 27, we talked about getting started with a small business, creating a business plan and that sort of thing. But I, today I kind of wanted to focus on how do you you know, plan to create the business in the first place and then what can you do to you know, elevate your likelihood of success, I guess. Yeah, I would say like steps for success is kind of what we're aiming for then, right? So I, I would say if, if we're in that vein of thought, the number one thing um, that will help you be successful in starting a business, the number one skill that I would say you need to have is some form of an ability to communicate with other people, right? Because if you are working with other people or if you're in a customer service industry or if you're even doing like, you know, just mowing lawns in your neighborhood or doing a lemonade stand, right? You have to be appealing to those clientele uh, in that area, because if they think you're weird, right, they may not, <laughs> they may not work right. with you, right? Or more importantly, um, you know, so that's like a little bit of a charisma attitude, but on the, on the other hand, you also need to be able to communicate and be reliable. 
and right so you have to you know have to know when to talk to them you have to have open lines of communication they have to be able to contact you and you answer the phone and if you don't answer the phone you call them back right away right there's not like 24 hours of like delay gaps between like what is going on with you and them in that situation right because people start getting nervous if they're not able to contact you anymore and then that really puts them off the situation well and i think everybody if you're paying somebody for a service you want to know that they're reliable so I think knowing that you can get in touch with them and, you know, that that's really important. Um, you know, I know I've been growing my financial coaching stuff on the side, and that's something that I think has been very valuable that you help teach me is, you know, when I reach out to somebody who's interested in these services, sometimes, you know, they ask questions back and forth and then they kind of go silent. And I also think in terms of communication, you also have to not be afraid to kind of like go after business sometimes and reach back out to people. Like sometimes people aren't responding because they don't want your service. It's because they forgot or life got busy. So I think sometimes like reaching back out to them and just kind of having like that, you know, building relationships maybe is what I'm trying to get at. I think building relationships and networking is important for everybody, whether you're in business for yourself or not. Right. And and don't forget that you know, other people are bad at communicating too. It's not maybe just you that doesn't have that skill set naturally. Most people are like pretty bad at, at a com- communicating effectively. So yeah, they're not following back up with you and maybe you have to chase them down a little bit harder because right, they're not as responsive as you would like them to be. So it, it is a two-way street there. There's, and you know, it's a balance between like hounding people down that don't want to be, you know, harassed basically and they, they aren't interested in the service and the people that are just like, you know, just not good at following back up again or right. like, are busy or like, you know, I didn't get around to it or whatever, right? And they appreciate you following up. Like that's, you just have to kind of know the audience there. Well, and that's why I get kind to of- know people wanted to emphasize the networking part of it because I think sometimes it's just good to build relationships with people even if there's nothing in it for you. So what I mean by that is I think people who have built a relationship with me and then offer a service and are good at what they do, I'm more likely to go back to them because they're my, you know, I consider them friends at that point or business friends or business acquaintances versus like there's, I feel like there's this whole segment now of like, you know, basically MLM or pyramid scheme structures where they get people to like post on social media, on Facebook every single day, like trying to sell their, you know, wraps or whatever they're selling. And I feel like sometimes that is way too much in your face. So like when I'm saying like, you know, delicately check in with people, I think that's very different than like, you know, anytime you post anything on Facebook, it has to do with your business, right? I think you have to have, you still have to be a person at the end of the day. Right. You're not mm-hmm. just a business entity, even if you're in business for yourself. Right. And, and what you want to promote and who you want to promote and communicate with. Right. That just comes from like them being like good, reliable people, like somebody that you're not afraid to put your name out there and say, like, this person is amazing. They're going to do a good job for you. Not just because like they were part of like a, a business group that you're a part of or like a chamber of commerce group or right, some meeting that you subscribe to that's like you know, a group in the community or in real estate, like an REI, you know, group or club, stuff like that. Right. There, I, I was reading an article the other day that was talking about that kind of a mentality and like everybody just gets together and says like, okay, here's my business. And like, this is how it's applicable to you. And because I'm offering you this, then I'll, I'll like forward 
your stuff on to all of my clients also, right? And they, they just refer to that whole, um, you know, methodology as like a circle jerk, right? Yeah. No, nobody's like, the quality is like not a factor in that relationship. It's just like, you're doing something for me, so I'm going to do something for for you, right? right? And then just like it's a whole group of people that are all doing that together. Yeah. So I think instead if you can like build relationships and just be like a quality person. So I guess the second point that I kind of want to make is, you know, the first one is communication. And I would say the second one is knowledge. Like nobody is going to work with you if you're not qualified or knowledgeable with what you're doing. And, you know, that applies to all businesses. There's a lot of, most restaurants fail very quickly because people have this great idea to open a restaurant without, they've never worked in one before, right? Right. So they're like, oh, well, I make really good brownies. I'm going to open a brownie stand. But they don't know all the work that actually goes into, you know, having a full kitchen and dealing with all the paperwork. And I think small businesses in general can be difficult because you might be really good at doing something, but running your own business means you also need to be good at finances and accounting and your, all the back end stuff. Health code permitting and right, right. Like, yeah, it's not just you know making the food at that point, right? Right. Yeah. It's it's that's I mean that's the the backbone of the business, but yeah, the business is like you know another fifty percent of other activities that are not what you're specializing in. So usually there's some kind of a partnership, and that's you know when we were talking about this a long time ago. There's there's a lot of like scientist driven people is in, in this example, and then there's like business driven people, and like the scientist driven people like love to just like make stuff and invent things. Right, and they have like great ideas and like things that can be revolutionary, but they have absolutely no interest whatsoever in doing business stuff. Right, they don't want to like work with clients, they don't want to like sell product, they don't want to do marketing. Right, like none of that stuff is interesting to that personality type that is like a really good scientist or engineer. And so, right, that was like one of the courses that we went through was like how do specifically how to work with those like scientists and engineers to like take those really good products and turn those into like really good businesses right right and so like taking that whole half of the other business and like facilitating it turning it into marketing communicating it get the get the plan out there uh you know figure out what the cost is scalability um you know all that stuff that 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 can turn a product into you know a, a product offering um, at scale, right? So that's that's it, it's at least half the battle, right? You have to have a really good, solid idea that people really want, and then you have to be able to like, uh, not necessarily monetize that, but like deploy it. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think one example for us is there was a great restaurant in town that we absolutely loved. It was farm to table concept. The chef was incredible. Yeah. Every we, every single dish on their menu was like and, fantastic. And they would have a line out the door every day but he he employed too many people he you know ended up getting a building that had a lien on it there were all these things that he didn't do his due diligence and he couldn't stay open even though everybody loved his product and he had the customers right, right. he just like didn't have the business model and for how good that food was i think it was underpriced too right so maybe he was selling it too close to being at cost and didn't cover all of the things that you don't think about like he wasn't covering for taxes and he wasn't covering for all maybe just all the payroll or maybe he was just covering the ingredients right but that's right somebody you have to do a lot of that math there with your accounting to make sure that you're, you're sustainably going to be successful in the future and don't underprice yourself 
and then just back yourself into a corner. Kind of. So like do you did. kind of recommend, you know, monthly check-ins then to reconcile your books and see like how much money did I actually make after all expenses were covered? Uh, yeah, because you, so there's, there's two phases here and, and one of them is projections and understanding like this is what I think I'm going to make and understanding the projections of all of your expenses and looking to that in a little deeper scenario than just like by a month to month because you don't have a lot of expenses that are like reoccurring month to month. Sometimes things come and go or some things overlap where your revenue comes in in one month but all the expenses are in a different month. So you have to like look at it across the board a little bit and not just isolate it into that one uh, maybe month by month scenario. Because like planning for taxes, right? Like your business taxes are different than your personal taxes, where like if you work for a business, your personal taxes are like withheld a lot of the time from your employer. But like business taxes, you just have to like pay those right at the end of the day. So you have to be saving for those in advance um, and not be surprised by them. And sometimes that's annually, sometimes that's like quarterly, depending on what kind of business you're a part of. But So do you recommend then that people try to find like mentors for their first year or few years to help them because I feel like I know a lot of people who would have a good idea and be better at you know kind of executing their thing but maybe they don't have the same business sense so are there people out there that can help you with some of that or are there like do you have any good resources of like here's some books that would be good um maybe not off the top of your head but we could you know link them in an article but I'm just wondering like you know for people who might not be this doesn't all come naturally. And I know, you know, even working with personal finance, finances don't always come natural to people. And especially once you start talking about taxes, it's enough to make anybody start glazing over. So how do people kind of gain this knowledge if they've never had it before? Um, so there's there's a couple... So you asked a lot of questions there. Um, <laughs> so for as far as books are concerned, there are a couple books that we really hit home and used all four years of college. One, in, in speci- specifically pertaining to this conversation, was, um, I think it's like, I don't know, 12, 15 years old now, um, the seven highly effective habits for effective people, or highly, you know, seven habits for highly effective people, right? And I think there's a teens one too, depending on how old you are. Um, but that has like general concepts that just like lay out on paper. Like here are the like things that you need to be like pretty good at, right? One of those is being like really good at communication, right? All seven of them are important, but you know, I'm just calling that one out as like one of the most important that I see on a daily basis. Um, so you just keep, it's a simple book. It's simple concepts. It's an easy read, um, right? They're, they're not digging too deep on any of that stuff, but it's really important that you like just are aware and and have have uh, an idea of what those things are. So as you go out and have a conversation with somebody, you're covering all those bases and checking all those boxes, right? You don't have to be crazy about it, but just be like, I understand the situation and you can move forward from there when you know what you don't know or know what you didn't know before. Um, the other one is, is really um, kind of anything written by like Peter Drucker. He was kind of like one of the founders of uh, a lot of the premises for our entrepreneurship program when we were... Um, in college there, and and so we read I think two or three of, of the things that he had put together. Um, but his his concepts go through. He's got a lot of case studies um, throughout all the books as well, and uh, just reading from the experiences and lessons learned from other entrepreneurs that have like 
already paved the path, right? Um, is is a is a good value add because you're learning from experiences, from failures, from other people, and learning from your failures is really important. But it doesn't have to be just your failures, right? You can learn from failures of of everybody else also, and not right. have to go through that uh, experience, but still gain the knowledge. And so that's where it comes back to getting a mentor. Also, it's the same concept. Uh, working with somebody that has like drug themselves up through this process in a similar field and has learned a lot of the experiences along the way and what to do and what not to do um, really helps bring you up as well. And that can be a mentor that is like kind of directly above you that is like, you know, again, I'll I'll use the lawn care service thing is if you're just trying to get into that and mow people's yards in the neighborhood, go talk to like one of the big lawn care guys in the in the area. And like they probably did the same thing. How did they get started with a business? How did they like bring on an employee for the first time when when it's not not just you anymore and you've got 20 lawns to mow a week and you want to have like another person helping you? How do you bring them on? How do you pay them? How do you, you know, think about all these little things um, that that require that nuance? And, um, you, but you can also have mentors that are kind of like lateral to you and work in, in kind of like different areas or have different schools of thoughts or different backgrounds, but have a similar interest in what you're trying to do. So that could be more in like real estate where like somebody is a contractor, but then somebody else is an investor or like somebody else is uh, a real estate agent and knows the markets well. And right. So there's different players inside of that field that all need to help each other to be successful. And the more successful one of those people are, the more successful the other ones can be also. So it's it's a, like a symbiotic relationship where everybody is benefiting. Well, it's the blue ocean business strategy, right? Where you like, instead of like feeling like everyone's your competitor, you work with people to like build more attention up to that market, right? So like real estate being one example, like agent showing houses and then investors coming in and like putting money into them is just making it more desirable for people to live there potentially. So it's making the whole industry start doing better. Right. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. But even even for your little niche though, even for your little group. Like if you're friends with this real estate agent and this real estate agent, you're just passing this person all kinds of business, they're just getting a lot more experience a lot faster and then they're coming back and turning that over back to you again. Right. And saying like, okay, I'm selling all these houses, these people are doing flips now, they need need this work done and you can pass that back and forth. That's the successful model of, uh, you know, the, the, I guess the circle jerk is <laughs> like when people are actually good at what they do and you're you're reliable and you can you have that. Uh, appropriate networking group and not just a networking group full of like people that don't have any good skills. So that's something that's another point that I've heard you mention uh, quite a few times is be reliable. So communicate, but also be reliable. So when people need you, be there and be a good source of information. And I think another thing that comes with being a source of good information is being willing to admit when you don't know the answer to a question off of the top of your head and take it back and come back with an answer later. Oh, that's a in every industry that I've worked in, in every business, that is a, a huge problem people have, whether it's my coworkers, whether it's people on the client side of our, our business, right? When we go into different companies, everybody has a problem with trying to overcommit. So you don't want to, you want to, you want to under. Under promise and over deliver, right, is the is the consulting mantra. <laughs> um, that's true in every business, right? So you want to you want to set expectations with the people. You want to be delivering to that, and you don't want to over promise something that you don't understand, 
right? So you can't commit to something if you don't fully understand the terms and you don't want to tell somebody something that maybe isn't true that you have to backpedal later. And if you have to backpedal later because you got into that problem, then that's fine, right? People are will understand that. But like trying to like get around it or like say that you didn't say it like that way and you didn't mean it, right? Then you start getting a little like dicey and then people like start not trusting you because you didn't own it, right? You didn't own the mistake. Well, and I think that's the problem that a lot of people have is, you know, setting up your first business or going into your first business is very exciting. So I think they have this image of what it could be and they put all this money in to get this nice building and, you know, brand new furniture and all this stuff that they isn't necessarily supported by their sales forecast just yet. So, you know, with some businesses, maybe you have to jump in with both feet, but do you think there's any sort of benefit to trying to start your business kind of on the side while you still have another source of income? Or do you kind of recommend if people have a plan in place that they go all in? Uh, so I, I would definitely recommend doing baby steps into that area. So you don't have to like go all in on something that you have no experience with, right? So if you can, if you can like dip your toe in the water for like a month or two and like experience, you know, experiment and like try something new, but then not quit your day job in doing that, maybe you're going to learn something about that situation. Like maybe you hate it. Like maybe that was like an awful thing for you, but maybe you really like it. And then you're like, okay, I can build on this and then it would make more sense for you to like maybe go on in that. But like, right, if, you, if you're if you starting from zero, it's very hard to say like, I'm gonna go, you know, flip burgers uh, on my own in my own restaurant, but I have no restaurant experience. I've never worked in fast food. I've never worked in customer service, anything. Um, right, I work in a, a lab all day, but now I just wanna make hamburgers for everybody in my own restaurant. Maybe you hate running your own restaurant. Maybe you like didn't think about all those things. Maybe you're like really good at making burgers at home, but then like when you start like going down that road a little bit more and like you know dipping your toe in the water to see what that really turns into later, maybe you're like, oh, this whole process now of running a restaurant I really dislike. And but right. now you quit your job and now you're like all in on this and now you've invested a lot of money because you like tried to put it in all up front and get everything started right at the same time without you know taking little steps. And so now you're in more trouble than you were otherwise. I mean, there's there's a, I, I think taking any baby steps is, is, is the right approach. There's also the school of thought of you can't be afraid to do something new in the first place. Um, because it's right. If you, if you do go on and something you commit because you can't go back and that just like gives you more motivation to be successful, it'll put you into a fight or flight scenario where you're going to fight and like do more than you would have otherwise if it was just on the side. Right. But, but I think you have to want it and I think you have to have drive. So I don't mean to say that to discourage anybody who wants to have their own business, But I think you really have to know what you're getting yourself into. So kind of going back to the example where, you know, somebody makes a really good burger. Well, do you want to continue making good burgers or do you want to hire somebody to make the burgers and you have to run a business? Because I think there's something to be said for that. I think a lot of times when you are growing a business, like you don't get to necessarily do what you love anymore. You have to deal with all of the overhead because that's your responsibility right. as and, the owner. And a lot of people think that that is the way it is. That's what entrepreneurship is, right? It's like you're just doing everything. 
right? It's like you're a one-man island, and it's you against the world, and right, that's that's how you just get started, right? You just have to take everything on yourself. And, and a lot of times that's not true. I mean, if you're in a partnership, you can start everything from ground zero with a partnership and find somebody that is like really interested in that. But again, you want to trust that person also to make sure that if they're in charge of the accounting and you just want to flip the burgers that they're not taking advantage of you. Right, right. But the point that I was trying to make is you don't always have to start your own business. It's not the be all end all and it's not the right fit for everybody. And you can be very successful working for somebody else as well. Right. So whether, whether it's working for somebody else and then forming some, or forming some type of a partnership where you can delegate the responsibilities. I think my point kind of being that you have to really want to work hard. I think owning your own business is immensely difficult. And I think a lot of people kind of underestimate what it really takes. Like it's not 40 hour work weeks, right? Right. You should never. Yeah. You you should expect to work way longer hours for way less in the beginning because that's probably what it's going to be like. Um, I mean, you can do other things on the side and you can like slowly get started and and do things like Etsy shops and technology has really made it easy to like start up like different small businesses on the side and like see how it is and dip your toe in the water for that stuff. But yeah, if you're if we're talking about like, yeah, we're going to open a restaurant, that's that's still the old model of like you need to check all the boxes and there's no real technology advantage that's going to help you out there other than reviews online and stuff like that. But you still have to have find a brick and mortar store and you have to find like employees that are going to work there and support it. And you know, you're doing payroll and all the, all those, you know, fun side things and working with the inspectors and health codes and all that stuff. And it's a lot of work. And, you know, while Brett mentioned, you can hire a lot of it out. It's, you know, the I, another huge complaint that I hear from a lot of people who own their own businesses is it is really hard to find good help. That's always true. Um, yeah, I think you have to be specific about who you hire, but a lot of times you don't have the ability to be specific. It depends on your, your market and your area, right? And, like, nobody wants to work for, for nothing anyway, right? And uh, But even if you start getting into an area for, for that model where you're paying people too much, like, that, those people usually have other options anyway. And so, yeah, that, that, that level of, of personnel is really difficult. So you could have a lot of high turnover in that space. But you can either you can also get super lucky and like find somebody that's an amazing employee because those people are out there also yeah and they just like you just got to find that guy that like loves making hamburgers right and that's like what he wants to do and he's like really good at it but he doesn't want to do like training for the other employees right like he's not interested in that right he's just like um right so everybody's got like pros and cons to to their working relationship but you have to you have to be a good manager and a leader in that sense too so Right, if you're bringing on employees, it's not just like you and them as a team. It's you leading them as individuals who are going to grow and like be successful in the same business because you're all kind of in the same boat. But you're the one that's responsible for everybody else. Right. So you have to, yeah, you have to like really be on top of your game for your own benefit, but then for the benefit of everybody else because you're responsible for their livelihood now too. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't want to say all of this to discourage people. I think if you're interested in it you should do it. I think the big caveat that we wanted to cover this episode is make sure you're doing a lot of research and creating plans. And even though things don't always according go according to plan, by having a plan, you can at least kind of adjust as you need to along the way. Right. Instead of jumping in blind just because you're like, well, this is a good idea and it's something I'm good at. There's a lot more that should go into your thought process. Right. It just makes you think think a few steps ahead, right? And say, you know, what potential problems could I run into here? 
and you'll run into definitely more problems than what you could have imagined because you can't think of anything or, or of, every, of everything, but you'll at least like have some backup to like say, okay, I can laterally roll this way or this way um, based on what I already thought about, right? I already had like a kind of a backup plan for these other areas and I can apply that to this problem now. Um, yeah, so, so, so what else did we cover here? So I, I've said many things. I said communication was really important. Being reliable is really important. You got to be a good leader if you're going to have like employees or or even if you're just going to be leading customers, right? They want to see you as a as a, a representative of what you're doing and a, and a thought expert in your field and right and making sure that you know what you're talking about. And I would say some type of desire or passion or drive for doing what you want to do as well as doing it on your own and not finding a company that you could like plug yourself into and be happy. Right. That's true. Like I have the capabilities of like starting a really great lemonade stand that has really good marketing in our neighborhood. And, but if I don't like making lemonade or like doing lemonade stands as my passion project, it's probably not going to be successful. And even if it is, then I'm going to hate my life anyway, right? Well, and I think another example is, you know, also consulting. So right now you're a consultant for IT and you could do what you do on your own, you know, with the website development and stuff, but you don't want to necessarily do all of the work of like finding the clients and landing the job. So you plugged your skill set into a company where you can do what you like and the rest of that's taken care of for you. Right, where they have an entire sales arm of people that like know what they're doing and specialize in that skill. So right. they bring in a lot of business, right? And then we, you know, capitalize on that business. We go meet with the clients, figure out what they need, figure out what they're, you know, what they're trying to do versus what they're telling us they want to do and, you know, solve those problems. So yeah, yeah I like being a problem solver in that scenario. I don't care about doing the sales necessarily. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of what I was getting at too. If you can plug your skill set in somewhere else, um, then you you know, you don't necessarily have to start your own business to do it you can find a blend of right that works for and, you. and that's true so, of, whether you're at a large company or whether you're a small startup yep. right because you can you can plug into like little marketing companies that are like going to help you grow your small business right if you're yeah doing exactly. the lawn care stuff and you want to start marketing to the neighborhood you don't have to do that yourself you can go talk to somebody that can like do, go help you do that for you because you need to play to your strengths right? exactly so i think that's another one is play to your strengths do your research. Know your yeah. Know your weaknesses is the other half of that yes. coin, right? Be willing to admit what you don't know, and and willing to learn. So if somebody you know asks you a question you don't know, you know pull it back and get, get find the answer and get that knowledge. And I think that's a big thing with business owners is always having that drive to learn, the mm-hmm. passion to keep learning and expanding your mind. Right. If you but if you say like oh I'm not really good at accounting or or I'm not really good at estimating my expenses or, or anything like that, that's going to get you into a lot of trouble. Um, I'd say if you're going to pick a weakness to work on to turn into a strength, you need to pick that one because you need to understand how your business is going to operate and function from a scalability perspective to say like, this is the money I'm bringing in. This is the money that is going out the door. These are all my expenses. If I have to pay employees, this is what this costs. These are what my taxes are. You need to have a good handle on like what that what that whole universe looks like from your, cause that's your whole business. And if you don't understand that, then it'll really hurt your growth model. You won't be able to scale up because you don't understand why you can't scale up. Yep. 
And right, and you won't be able to, you know, maybe it makes sense to bring on employees at that point. Maybe you shouldn't be doing every single thing yourself. Maybe it would be totally cost effective to bring in more people and that would increase your profitability overall. But right? you have to be able to run those forecasts. Right. You, you can't you can't make that decision until you understand like why you would make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we covered a lot of ground in this episode and I think this episode proved that we have a lot to say about these topics of small business. Well, as I mentioned, Brett had a lot of experience with it, and we've independently started several small little side businesses and ventures over the past few years. So we do have, you know, some experience in this topic, and obviously we like to talk about it. So if you found this podcast interesting, I know it's kind of a departure from the normal personal finance topics we typically talk about. But if you like hearing about small business topics, please let me know because we will continue if you want us to. I think. I cut Brett off today. I think there's a lot more in his brain that he wanted to say, but we're kind of at our, you know, mark here, so we can't go on forever. We can't have a four-hour episode, but if we can, we can make more. So just let us know if this is interesting to you. Yeah, and I think I think if anybody out there is looking for a mentor and like thinking about starting a small business or has already started a small business and is doing well or not doing well. Um, it always helps to like be able to bounce ideas off of another person to see, you know, what is in their head or, you know, trying to not operate inside of just your own mind throughout the whole business. Getting feedback from other people about their perspective on the situation is is always valuable, whether you use it or not. You don't have to use it. But if anybody has any questions, reach out to us um, at Angie uh, money. What it, nobody knows what it Angie is. Angie at dot com. <laughs> and right, we'll be happy to like take a look at your your use case and your business case there, and see you know what what opportunities there are or what changes could be made, um, and you know just talk about it a little bit and act act kind of as a mentor there. Uh, I know I've been riding in Ubers a lot more lately since we sold our last vehicle uh, as I go to and from the airport. And almost every single person I talk to that is that is doing that has like a little side business they're trying to start up or that's their main business. And on the side is Uber, right? Yeah. And so it's, it's just interesting to hear about all the different businesses that they have and those different ideas. So maybe we can talk about that next time. All right. Well, that sounds good. Thank you so much, Brett. And don't forget to, this is the last week to enter our contest and just by leaving a review or sharing our podcast with somebody and then sending me a screenshot to Angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com, you will be entered to win $50. Okay. And when, when is the last day to submit for that? We can go all the way up through a week from, well, we'll say a week from Sunday, last Sunday. So this episode comes out Monday night. So you have about six more days to get those in. Okay, so that will be, let me get an actual date here because it could be any Sunday, depends on when That's we post true. this episode. Um, well, so today is July 8th when we're recording this podcast today. So you have until July 15th to get your submissions in. Okay, excellent. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.